rap than the name that makes it happen. No further introduction to the man that's for his tracking. City's clapping for his relentless backing. A vast against the former team that just went packing. While they're slacking, another host are lacking. He tells it like it is on issues that nobody's tackling. While he's racking, the ones who keep on grappling. The listeners, some followers who get it, keep on stacking. Great friend, and the type to set a trend. President, I see where haters with the men, there's no pretend. 17 years, he along with Pierce, entertaining Southern Kelly back by popular demand. Intense for the listeners to resonate To the hottest topics of the day, check the resume While some local leaders seem to lack the unity My man uses his voice to do what's best for the community Westwood 1, catch him on the sidelines Reporting live what we later see in highlights No holds barred, just like on his timeline Sun filter podcast, no need to follow guidelines Meet any criteria, dropping bombs like Syria Touching down, hollow around, connected like Expedia Coming to your speakers live from the city of Bestie Welcome to the Scott Kaplan Media all right let's let's do this so listen great friends if you are listening to this podcast right now it means i did release it there was a time during the day where i thought maybe i should not release this podcast with what's been going on at all of our favorite radio station, mine, of course, first and foremost, because I've been employed there for the last 16 years, essentially, in some form or another, minus a few breaks and firings along the way. I uh, Today's podcast is, it, we really do, I, I picked the perfect guy to talk to because we really do get deep about what's really going on here. And, you know, you may have heard me on the radio this week, and I'm talking to the president of our company, and I'm kind of giving him a, a hard time because... The decision to fire Jim Rome is a monster decision. And if I'm 1090 and Jim Rome is getting a 0.0 rating, that doesn't work when you're trying to sell advertising. And it's just impossible to believe. It's completely impossible to believe that Jim Rome has a 0.0 rating in San Diego on the Mighty 1090. Absolute bullshit. That's the bullshit of the rating system in radio. That, by the way is the problem with the entire industry. And when I say the the problem with the entire industry, the whole advertising based on ratings is all bullshit because the ratings are bullshit. But again, I can go into a radio ratings diatribe forever. That's not what this is about. Look, if I've released this podcast and you're getting this today, um, it means that some other people have listened to it and thought it's a go because I I haven't gone back and listened to it. I interviewed John Pratt. John Pratt, for those of you that are longtime radio listeners, know that he was the producer of the Scott and BR show in some of the greatest of days. He was also there the day we got fired in 2012 over Sasquatch Gate. But he stayed here at the radio station even though he didn't need to because by this time in his life, this guy's 21 years old. He's already an entrepreneur and he's already making major money. He's just doing the radio thing kind of as a favor to me because I was kind of a big brother to him. And... The kid wound up sticking around and producing the next show that came on almost as as an insider as Billy Ray and I were suing 1090. And I know that sounds crazy, but he did not need to work in radio anymore because he'd moved on to a whole new career as an entrepreneur and he was already making bank at 21 years old. This is a guy we raised from the time he was 16 to the time he was about 21 or 22. And now he's growing up and has become a monster superstar entrepreneur. And I'll just, I'll just jump right into it. If, if we release this podcast, it's because of the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes that I didn't think we should or maybe questioned whether or not we should. And then we get into the whole story of, of, of how our young kid radio producer saw the future, got the fuck out of this business, and became a superstar in his own industry. My man, John Pratt, on the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast. And just like that, we're on. Just like that. Just like, I have no idea. I've been so bad at like checking people's levels that now like people will tweet me and go, dude, your guest, he's this way because he's far away from the mic. Then he's up here into the mic. Your levels suck. I mean, I don't even know how to use this piece of equipment. Well, I used to do this all for you. Now now you have to manage it yourself and do your own podcast. It's uh, how do you like your high levels? tech? I don't you know, like- it's looking good. Uh, I, you still know how to do this? Uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> all right. It looks okay, though. I, I I don't know. So, dude, look. Let's just jump right into this. 
Jump into what? Just I don't know because here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. Why this, am I here? This was my dream, by the way. My dream was when I got this podcasting equipment and I decided I was going to start doing these podcasts, my dream was to do it right here. And this is the first one that I'm doing here. And the reason I wanted to do it here in my house is because um, Chris Cantori came here and interviewed me for his podcast <laughs> right here where you and I are sitting. And it was great. And, I had a, and I'm like, why would I not want to invite somebody over? The house is quiet. There's no kids here. Only the dog. The view here is fucking insane. Yeah, this is awesome, man. What a, what a house you have here. It's quite a, uh, a Kaplan Castle. Yeah, um, it's all right. Let me see these levels. I just want to make sure everything's good. Check, I don't want check, anybody, check. I I don't want anybody bitching. I think we're doing. You sure? Yeah, I mean, I'm Maybe, not positive. You're number two. You're Mike, too. All right. All right, so Pratty. I mean, great house, by the way. I mean, it's awesome, but I, I heard you, you may not be here much longer. So, so here's the deal. As, as Jack, the, the Frenchie, just pulls up on the couch. Jack, you want to say hi? Listen to these noises this dog makes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm getting evicted from this house. Um, so here's the deal. I sold my house a couple years ago. Uh, unfortunately, because I kind of knew I was getting divorced. And I mean, I, I, I haven't really talked a lot about this on, on the air. I was, I was thinking that that would be uh, something you keep tight to the vest. But I want to talk about getting divorced. And I want to talk about why I'm getting divorced. And I want to talk about issues that I think that... I've just recently gone through in the last three, four years that I think could be really helpful to a lot of people, but I'm not really ready yet because I'm not divorced. I don't want my kids to be impacted. Yeah, it's, it's already hard enough. Four you know? kids, yeah, man. It's How old were you when your parents got divorced? I was a baby. I uh, I grew up with parents separated, so it wasn't, I just didn't know any better. Yeah, you know? so my kids, I mean, you know, this was, my son was 13, 14. My little one was like seven or eight. No, I mean, no, she, maybe 10, nine or 10. So anyway, I just... Look, it's hard. It's hard on kids. Yeah, very. You know? But they so, seem to be handling it well. They're, yeah, the uh, they're good kids. They're good. No, they're all great kids. Just you know, one is having more of a hard time than the other than the other three. But generally speaking, I think they're all pretty good. Um, so yeah, so I'm getting kicked out of this house. I I, I sold my house, and then I rented this house because I wanted to live down by the beach in Del Mar. I'm turning my phone off, and um, I have these psychotic, freaking, really old landlords, and. Um, the one guy, he had to leave. He, he moved up north. He left the house completely as is. House was a freaking mess. They didn't paint. They didn't clean. They left all kinds of chemicals. You like you like where we're going here? I yeah, just I good. see you're looking at the equipment. Just making sure the levels are good. Okay. You know? They left all kinds of crap here, and it just was a real mess. And now they're constantly giving me a hard time. And I think it's a, a, a language barrier. Like, they're real nasty because I think it's English isn't their first language, so they're really nasty. They won't sell you the place? I've been trying. I've been trying to buy the place, and they, they won't sell it to me. And how can I buy it now that I'm in the middle of a divorce? You know, i got to wait until after that <laughs> Good point. before Sorry. I can do anything. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, dude, finally I just told the landlord, I can't well, deal with you anymore. you got to find another podcast location, but this is, this is, uh, this is great yeah. for, for right now. Yeah, well, thanks. So, anyway, you got me off on a tangent. So, so John Pratt, man, you said to me earlier before we even jumped on, like, how are you going to try and make me interesting? Dude, give me a fucking break, dude. Uh, dude, I don't know. I, I, I am very low-key, and I don't like a, uh, a public life anymore. I, mean, I understand. I once lived a semi-public life on the radio with you guys, and, you know, I got into other things, and now I'm just low-key, you know? Well, since you're back in San Diego, and you live in Puerto Rico, and we'll get to why you live in Puerto Rico coming up, because people who are longtime Scott and BR listeners or longtime 1090 listeners... They know the name John Pratt. The, the best years. Jesus. Oh, Jack, relax. This dog's crazy. This dog is a pain in the ass. Um, he just wants you to play with him. All right. Go. Oh, get gosh. away. How do, we, how, do you, how do you recall that you and I originally got together? Man, I will never forget. Uh, I was probably 16 years old and got introduced to you. And I came in and I was hungry and wanted to intern. And I will never forget you said... Man, how old are you? 16? Wow. What are you doing in this studio? And you said to me, you will never forget this moment. This is chapter one in your book. And it did stick with me forever, actually. I, uh, it was chapter one in my book and just started my career and waking up at 3.30 in the morning and getting in the office at 4 a.m. with you guys and doing the radio show and but just because people really don't understand this. I, I always tell people about you. I'm so proud of, of all your success and we'll get into that. But you were 16 years old and in high school. Right. And working for the radio show. Yeah. I uh, had an advanced 
credit program where I didn't have to go to school more than once a week. I was ahead on credits and sounded great at the time. Right. You sounded smart. Right. I was you were like, destined oh, for like Harvard. Really, like once I did it, I was bored, you know, like I'd be at home and every all my friends are in class. So had to fill that time and love media and uh, got introduced to you and started just working for the radio show and waking up because I had nothing else better to do. And it was a blast. You so know? We, but we met because I think I actually was invited to your high school. But right. you, you, you came and spoke to our media class, and that's where I originally met you and wanted to work for the radio show. And I, I remember waking up at that time, and I was a fan of radio. Like, I wake up, listen to the Mikey show, and listen to you guys, and I was a fan of radio thinking that that was going to be my career, and I was going to love working in this industry, and then quickly realize it's probably the worst industry. <laughs> <laughs> when do you think you figured that out? Because you were 16. And you probably didn't leave 1090. I mean, there was a lot of shit that went down. We'll right, talk right. about it. But <laughs> but you probably didn't leave till you were how old? Maybe 20? Uh, 21, 22 right, So, so yeah. you, you literally were a radio veteran by 22 years old. Yeah. I. <clears throat> it was probably a couple years into it that I finally realized. But, you know, Joe Titino was the one who officially hired me. You guys recommended. And he was the program director at the time. And. He came in and was like, all right, kid, you're, 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 you're called up, and this is an actual employment offer. Here's an offer for $14,000 a year. And I was like, huh. I mean, it sounds okay. I mean, I'm 16 years old, but it was really like getting low-balled and taking advantage of this kid and paying him nothing to work on the radio show. Yeah, <laughs> and wake up at 3.30 in the morning. And every, I mean, everybody thought of you as like, well, he's 16. I yeah, mean, right. So what does like, he need well, money for? Exactly, and I mean, it was a great way for the station to cut, cut costs at the time, yeah. and they needed to, so. Well, I mean, what's new? <laughs> I mean, do you, you hear what's going on now with, with this Jim Rome situation? I, I heard rumors, but uh, what's the what's Well, let the me deal? ask you a question. How old are you now? I am 28 now. And and when was the last time, no bullshit, when was the last time, even, and I know you just moved to Puerto Rico not long ago. God damn it, this freaking <laughs> dog just puked all over the couch. Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I will man. never stop the recording and I'll never edit this. No it. chance. There's no it. chance. I love it. I got puke on my real hands. life. Everyone <sighs> deals with this stuff. All right. So, dude, um, oh, when was the last time prior to moving to Puerto Rico, which just happened within the last month or change, when was the last time you listened to the Jim Rome show? Oh, man. Um, when I got out of radio and, and sports radio, I was like a breath of fresh air because it was just my life, as you know, for so many years and waking up early that I took like a really long break of not listening to sports radio, not paying attention to sports. Um, but last time I probably listened to Jim Rome was like a month ago, flipped it on because he, now he's on TV, saw the simulcast and I thought he was just reading before, and I guess he does a TV show now. So, did you yeah. watch the TV show? A little bit. Um, just sampled it, or just sampled it. I mean, listen, it's same old uh, Jim Rome at the end of the day. You so know? you felt the same because you know that was that's the big argument now is is here we have <laughs> we have ten ninety, and Mike Lickenhouse, and look, Mike has been under siege, and and I can't say anything other than rightly so. I mean, when you run a big time sports radio station. And, and in a market that's been impacted the way it has been by sports, meaning the Chargers moving, the Padres not being competitive, there not being any other major league sports in town, even our college sports are not the top level of the major leagues. It's not USC and UCLA. Um, Mike has tried lots of different stuff. He tried Kevin Acey at night for a while. That was going okay, although not spectacular, and it's not a money-making time period. He tried my friend Chris Cantore at night, who, you know, that was, and Mike makes all these unilateral decisions. He doesn't come to me and say, hey, what do you think of Cantore at night? Mike does, he's, he's running the station, so right. he gets to make those decisions. He asked us all the other day in a meeting what national show we all kind of think is up and coming. Everybody said Levitard, but nobody knew that he was replacing Rome with Levitard just like that. <laughs> so then what he does is he, he, he actually puts out, a, a, whether it was on the website or on Twitter, that we're replacing Rome with Levitard as of Monday. Then, but by the way, he didn't tell Rome or Rome's people. Rome then finds out. Rome says, dude, you got to give me a few days. You can't kick me off my hometown radio station. You got to understand, Rome is, started. Started here, didn't he? He started like in San Diego. Right, but but still, but when 1090 started, it was so critical to get Rome because the Lynch family 100%. owned 1090, and they're close family friends. So Rome felt disrespected, I think rightly Naturally. so. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so, but but what we're finding is... Some people are telling us they'll never listen again, and other people are telling us this is a breath of fresh air. We need this. 
Yeah, I mean, Rome's very polarizing, so you're going to get both of those, you know, opinions out there. I mean, at the end of the day, people are going to keep listening. There's not really many good options out there. And, um, I, 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 I do think know. it's a breath of fresh air, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, Lebitard, I like the Lebitard show. I never thought about it on in, in San Diego on Is it on the same time, or are they going to delay it a no, little bit? No, now they got to delay it, so oh, they're, they're putting see, it on delay, dude. That's what I don't that's like. That's so stupid. Listen, I... But I keep trying to explain. Listen, you know, here's the thing. Certain guys are just the types of personalities. They like to control things. They like to, um, their ideas are the best ideas. And other people's ideas get discounted. And I'm going to just stop talking about this right. stuff. Isn't this because guy your I mean, boss? That <laughs> well, he's not. I mean, he runs 1090. I'm right. an independent contractor. Right. I specifically right. set up my employment agreement this way so that I don't have to take shit from anybody. <laughs> and, and I can be honest. You know, Good. I can. I'm not I'm not their employee. I'm contracted to the radio station. Good. And if they want to fire me for breach of contract for cause, uh, that's that's nonsense. I've been carrying that fucking place forever. And I and I say been carrying it. I mean, me and Darren Smith. I mean, Darren Smith and I, as two reliable professionals, have been carrying this radio station for a very long time. I agree with that. Absolutely. I think uh, those two shows in general have, have you know, Weathered the storm, so to speak. And look, sure. I don't mean to sound like an arrogant dick, but I, when I say me and Darren, I mean Darren's crew, Marty, right, Jordan, the team. My, you know, Alex. I mean, in reality, you're, you're riding Billy Ray's uh, coattails, but <laughs> <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> And then there's another issue. I mean, that's a complete separate issue. Billy Ray's um, changes. You know, everybody can hear it. You know, I don't really talk about it all that often, but it's something that we do talk about internally a lot. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I mean, I didn't know you were going to go this way on a on a podcast, but uh, I mean, I remember that that being an issue towards my tail end. So you know, it's, it's what do you mean? What do you remember? What do you mean? <clears throat> well, I remember we never would talk about it publicly, and I'm even semi uncomfortable talking about it here because I know that uh, it makes Kim uncomfortable and and all of us uncomfortable to really talk about it in a public uh, domain or setting. But um, I mean, it is what it is. I talked to talk to a lot of people about it but what what is what what's what is i mean i don't know you you know what you know what i'm talking listen about. billy ray <laughs> billy ray in my opinion i'm not a professional i love him i dude let me tell you something about billy ray i will do anything for billy ray anything um sometimes i see people and they go you're a really great friend to him i go why do you say that and they say great well man. because he's not he's not what he used to be on the air and i'm like okay so maybe he's not what he used to be on the air. People, we all get older. We all have physical changes. We all have mental changes, et cetera. I'll go to the wall with Billy Ray. Right. Because let me tell you something, man. When I was, when I was new to town and I was really young and I thought, this is probably a temporary stop. And we got fired the first time, like I would say maybe a year and a half into our, our first contract. We got fired because 690 moved up to L.A. to protect the L.A. market. <laughs> San, a San Diego radio station kicking an L.A. radio station's ass did not look good for the executives back then. Right. And they fired us to give 690 to L.A. And I will never forget, I was so pissed because the Super Bowl was coming to San Diego that year. And I really took the job in San Diego going, okay, the Super Bowl's there next year. I'm going to be the man in town, et cetera, when all my colleagues come into town. And I'm now off the air at Super Bowl. So Billy Ray was working for Channel 4 San Diego. They were doing like the early, this is before the NFL Network, and they're doing Media Day, and they're really televising behind the scenes what the NFL Network now does, very much set up by Channel 4 at the 2002 Super Bowl. And so Billy Ray, I'll never forget this, true story. Billy Ray was going to make $8,000 to work an entire week as a Super Bowl correspondent. And this is when Billy Ray was just everywhere on yeah. tv he had the um S san diego state tv show on F on channel four he had a charger tv show on channel four he was working at fox sports in la he was doing fox sports radio on the weekends i mean billy ray was the hardest working man in show business when i met him true story and um they were going to pay him eight thousand dollars that year to work for for uh channel four and here's what billy ray said and god if kimberly listens to this podcast she's going to be pissed all these years later Here's what Billy Ray said. He said, um, he went to the guy who ran Channel 4 San Diego. His name was Dennis Morgino at the time. And he said, hey, Dennis, me and Scott want to get back on the radio and we want to keep, keep it going. Um, so while we're off the radio, can you split the $8,000 between the two of us? I'll take four. He'll take four. He can do half the work. I'll do half the work. Because Billy Ray and Kim at this time, the way I looked at them, because I was new to town, they were very much 
kind of a, a power couple of San Diego. And so I remember being Saturday night, I was working the NFL experience doing live television, and Billy Ray was out somewhere being a dignitary, being a San Diego sports celebrity. And he literally split that money with me wow. when I was completely... Never heard that one. Really? No, never heard that one. Dude, that's just one of many, many examples of why I will never sell Billy Ray out. Ever. You know? As you shouldn't. I mean, you guys have built a hugely, wildly successful brand and weathered a lot of storms throughout. Right. Uh, now, now, lots of ups and downs. Right. And, and look, Billy Ray's life has changed a lot. You know, so is mine. I mean, my kids are now 17, 15, 14, and 11. His, his one daughter is through high school, through college, has worked in several different places. She's now living in Miami. She's lived in Orlando. She's lived in New York. I mean, he, he's got a changing life. And by the way, so does Kimberly. I mean, I'm sure in her profession, she's probably looking at, at her career and going, how much longer can I do this? Right. How much longer is television news important to people? No and, and how much longer do you need somebody who is, look, people get younger and they get cheaper and they're equally, if not greater, with talent. As they're coming up and and folks get phased out. Absolutely. I think they're getting to that age and I don't know, I haven't talked to him or her lately, but you know, that that retirement age of just hitting that noon tea time and hanging out and not really working every day. But but you know what? He's young. Billy Ray's 55. You know, Billy Ray's really, really young and he loves working. He loves coming to the radio station. He loves being there. He loves studying. He loves researching. You know, he loves being a part of the process. He's just not as... um, He's just not as vocal as he once was. I agree. You know? I mean, he's he's there, um, but you have done a good job to your credit and to Linda's credit and the producers of the Alex show now Padilla, to, Alex Padilla, to fill the void, you know? I think so. I mean, listen, again, um, Billy Ray uh, has two more years left on his contract, as do I, and if he wants to go two more years, then... Um, you know, then then he can do it. Will the will the station last two more years? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean. No, we that's can edit that out. That it? is no, I'm I not mean, editing I, out. I shit. don't know. This is I live in Puerto Rico now. I'm on the other coast, but optically, I see San Diego as not a powerhouse sports town anymore. It's, it's I mean, not. it's lost its glamour. So it's it's totally true. And and back to Mike Lickenhouse. Listen, I've worked with Mike forever. I've I worked with Mike in the Mike was was right there in the early days of 690. I worked with Mike for as I recall a brief period of time at 690. I worked with Mike at the Union Tribune. I worked with Mike outside of these places p- contemplating possible other deals. We never pulled one off. And and now I've been working with Mike for years at 1090. On Mike's watch, the, the Aztecs have left. By the way, that was really not a bad deal for 1090. T- t- it, 1090 was not making money with the Aztecs, necessarily, football and basketball. The Padres left. The Padres radio broadcast, nobody knows where they are. It was a terrible move where for the Padres. They? I don't know. <laughs> I'm tell- and they're moving stations again. I don't know. And, and so people look at these things and they go, well, the Aztecs have gone. The, and by the way, the Aztecs regret that decision all the time. The Padres have gone. The Padres regret the decision because now people in Orange County and L.A. don't get to listen on radio. Um, the, the disasters of, of Kevin Acey at night being replaced by Cantori and it not lasting long, etc. Mm. The Cilio move in the morning where Cilio just completely fucks everybody over and tells everybody on, uh, on social media, hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> what, what happened? Oh, you didn't hear about this? I- I did not hear oh, about dude, this. Forget this is a whole other fucking Oprah. Believe me, you don't want to hear about this. So, so Cilio le- left the station. Wow, I mean, I all of this. this shit just happens. And what this is, is Tatino in the morning. Well, this is huh, pardon me. Is it Tatino? Ta- Joe Tatino, along with Ben Higgins. Wow. Yeah, dude. But they their their ratings are upticking over Cilio because everybody hated fucking Cilio. Good for Joey. Good for Joe. But you know, look, man, it, it's you ask the question: Will 1090 be here in in two years? I don't know. I don't, you know why I don't know? Because I don't have jack shit to do with day-to-day operations. Right. You know, I don't get to talk to the board of the, of the parent company. I don't get to set the budget. People don't report to me. I hope everybody can hear this dog <laughs> in the background. <laughs> hey, Jack. Hey, Jack. Shush. I'm talking to Pratty. So, listen, here's what I've said, and, and let's just move on, because le- here's what I've said to, to young guys who work at 1090. And I'm not bullshitting you. I've said this in front of everybody, the whole staff. I've stood in front of all these people and I've gone like this. I've gone, see this guy right here? 60-something years old. See this guy right here? 60-something years old. See this guy right here? 50-something years old. See this guy right here? 50-something years old. And I can point around the room. Sales guy, sales guy, management, management. Then I look down at the producers. And they're in their 20s and 30s. Right. And I look at these guys and I go, what are you guys doing here? 
What are you guys doing here? Don't you see this is an aging industry? 60, 60, 60, 50, 50, 50, 40, 40, 40. What are you young kids doing here? You guys want to be on AM radio that badly? <laughs> so here's the thing. I'll say to these kids, look at John Pratt. Look at Carlos Montoya. Two guys that I'm proud to say come from my tree right. that have both left radio and gone on to massive success as entrepreneurs. And that's where I want to go with this now because people are loving this podcast in that. I'm, I'm thankful they are. This is off the rail shit, man. I'm ta Last week, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's an investor in my company. Do you mind if I tell people that you're sure, an investor in sure, my company? Sure. So what a great deal. I mean, you, you, you help raise a guy from he's 16 years old to 20-something <laughs> years old. And by the way, we went through a ton of shit together, man. A lot. <laughs> what, do you, what do you remember of those... Oh, man, I was thinking about that on the way over here. Like, what was my greatest memory? I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of them, but um, at the top of the list has to be the Indianapolis Super Bowl. Because we went to the Super Bowl every year. We went to the parties, and that was kind of our one day a year to kind of let loose because the rest of the year we're producing a radio show, had the pressure the of high ratings, yeah. and, um, you know, it was a very hardworking job. And that was our one day a year where you would just let us let loose and have a great time. And we're hanging out with Tony Romo and Justin Timberlake and hanging out with the celebs. It was a great time. That one sticks out to me, though, because the very next day we get back to San Diego and we find out the show gets fired. Right. And we just were like swept. The rug was swept out from under us and didn't know what the hell was going on. Right. But that was probably um, the top memory just because it was months of drama after that and and uh lawsuits and depositions and craziness that was going I'll, on i'll never forget um and by the way that was one of the greatest trips of all time we did so much fun shit that one night between us attacking neil patrick harris <laughs> that or like getting a <laughs> selfie with bob Kraft, like hammered and just bobby <laughs> get over here <laughs> How about Jim Brown? Jim Brown, my man, come here. We're just like hitting the open bar and just like out of place right. among these celebrities and just. But how about Aaron Andrews? Come here. Yeah. How about, but how about NPH though? Neil Patrick Harris. All I wanted to do was talk to NPH about Harold and Kumar's escape from Guantanamo <laughs> Bay. And then how about the picture in People magazine of me and NPH standing together? It's so funny. <laughs> from the same party. And that was like this, the party where he announced he was together with some guy. Yeah, well, he was with some dude. And we all were standing there going, how cool is he that he brought his boyfriend? And how uncool are we that we're not all standing here making out together? <laughs> it was me, you, and Carlos. But you see, that night, that's one of the all-time great nights in Super Bowl history for me. Because you know what happened? We made a pact that night. Me, you, and Carlos. Nobody leaves one another. We all stick together all night because I knew everybody was going to get fucked up, and you guys were young. Right. So I felt like I was kind of babysitting, but I wanted to have fun with you and guys. And we had a 5.40 a.m. flight. Right. <laughs> and so I said, everybody sticks together. Well, before I know it, it's you and me. I don't know where Carlos is. I have no idea where he's at. And now it's got to be, what, like 3 in the morning or so? Yep. Oh, because what happened was we hooked up with Sid. That's right. Oh, yeah. And then the uh, yeah, the people we were hanging out with, the GM of Audi or something. Oh, right, right. We had the car dealers. Right. In, in, right. Oh, my gosh. It's and, hilarious. And so, but we hung out with Sid. And once we got with Sid for the after party, that's when that shit was, really yeah, went bad. Yeah. Okay. So then we have to make this decision that we're going to go back, but we still have to go to Radio Row to clean up all of our equipment. Yeah. It, I remember we. Uh, hey, Jack. Jack. Hey, Jack. Dog. Anybody walks by my house, this dog fucking barks like he's a pit bull, and he's a little tiny Frenchie. Anyway, go ahead. So, <laughs> so we uh, we realized we hadn't packed up Radio Row yet. Yeah, and uh, quiet. This dog is such a pain in the ass. Um, and that was really my job, and <laughs> we were having so much fun that night. Realized that oh my gosh, we have about two and a half hours to get everything packed up. And get to the to the airport. Obviously, Billy Ray was in bed at oh, yeah. at eight p.m. and he's sitting there all buttoned up, waiting for us to load the car. And uh, I had spent a little too much time at the open bar that I ended up going and passing out on Radio Row. Right. So you go to Radio Row. Here was the plan. Hey, we don't know where Carlos is. You go to Radio Row and get the equipment. This is three o'clock in the morning. Security's like, what the fuck are these drunk guys doing here? You go to Radio Row and clean up. I'll go to back to the hotel and see if I can find Carlos, right? Yes. You go to Radio Row, start packing up. I come back to the room. Carlos is passed out on the bed. He's got fast food everywhere in the room. Hilarious. Right? 
I'm like, come on, Pratty, come on, Carlos, let's go. Pratty's getting the equipment. We're packing up. We're getting out of here. Billy Ray's meeting us in the lobby. Nobody sees Pratty. Fuck. So I have to go back to Radio Row. I get to Radio Row. You're fucking passed out on Radio Row with a mixing board sitting on your lap. Yeah, that was probably all-time embarrassing moment. But, yeah, but the wait. greatest picture of all time. Right, but the, be- <laughs> but the best part is you finally come back over to the hotel. You go like this to Billy Ray. All right, Billy Ray, give me the keys. I'll drive. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Ray just like slaps me out right, of the way. Right, right. So was hilarious. So the best part, though, was we get back from, from the Super Bowl and we go to open up the equipment and we're looking for the goddamn mixing board and we can't find it. Yeah, that And was- we wound up having evidence that we had it Right, but we just we forgot just to did, pack. Yeah, and I remember Bill Lipshit was always, uh, "Where's that mixer board, man? Like, yeah. whatever happened to that?" Yeah. Oh, sorry, we don't Bill. know. We sorry, don't know what Bill. happened to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about. We that. We came back. We got fired the next day. <laughs> the CEO of the company looked across the table from me, and he goes, "He he actually said to Billy Ray, he goes, you know, Billy Ray, we really love you, man. We think you're a great guy. We think you're an angel, Scott. You are the biggest piece of shit. Ugh. I hate you." Uh, you're guy's fired Larry, Larry Patrick. Patrick I hate that guy. Larry pa- what a piece of shit that guy was yeah, seriously I mean I don't have a lot of ba- there's a few people in my life I can say some bad things about what a fucking lying manipulating piece of shit you know what I actually agree with you 100% on that and I've actually learned a lot from that experience and the way he acted right like in just general life right. and business because we sat in that room with that judge and I'll never forget you coming into that room and they took you through what happened that day on the air that got me fired the Sasquatch day right. And they said, the judge said, well, in your opinion as the producer of the show, what did you think of this segment? I'll never forget you going, as the producer, I thought it was the bomb segment. It was funny. There were phone calls. There was hard commentary. There was opinion. There was interesting shit going on. Like, and and there was music and there were sound effects. Your Honor... I thought it was a great bit. Yeah, sorry. We're we're a male-oriented show, and... The fact that when you take those things that were said and don't have context with them and put them in black and white, which is what happened in the Union Tribune printing them, it looked terrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really sucked. But I do remember those questions, the line of questioning. But one thing that sticks out for me is the station attorneys sitting there and objecting relevance every single question that mm-hmm. your attorneys had. Yeah. It's like they sat there and said, uh, objection relevance, why is Pratty sitting here getting in this case? Like, he's not relevant to the case. In the meantime, like, this is the, the attorney representing 1090, that, and you're the 1090 yeah, employee, the employee. <laughs> and you're still employed there. So they uh, thought you were going to come in, and they thought you were going to just do what they wanted you to do, yeah, which, which was to be, read the company line. No, sorry. Sorry, guys. Well, for you, it was like, I'm, I'm 21 or 22. I had other things going on at this that This is point. not, yeah. yeah. So let's go right there. Because I, I mentioned, and I hope I'm, I mean, I hope I didn't clo- forget to close any of these, these kinds of stories. <laughs> but, you see, at that point now, you know, I've got to go to the Union Tribune. i got a family to feed, right. you know. Um, we tried to get you and Carlos to come over, and it just, the whole UTTP thing was a disaster. Um, although I learned a tremendous amount. I mean, I literally learned how to be on TV every day. And it's something, an experience I could never have paid for. And if, if I wanted to go get a TV job right now, I swear to God, I know this sounds arrogant, but I feel like I could go do Jimmy Kimmel's job. I feel like I could go do Charlie Rose's job at the CBS early show. I mean, I feel like I've got that sort of versatility now because of what I learned there. So at that point, though, um, I'm just trying to get back onto TV and radio. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my career at this point. Well, you won the case, which was big. That, the lawsuit was... In, in winning the case, what happened was 1090 wound up owing Billy Ray and I a significant amount of money. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was well over... It was probably in the six to $700,000 range, as I recall. And, and, and maybe it wasn't that much. The point was, though, is that they wound up paying... 1090 wound up paying my attorneys which was you know, like $200,000. Mm. And then they had to, and then they, instead of paying me whatever they may have owed me, they signed me to a new contract. And that's when we moved oh, to afternoons. Negotiated, so. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And then, of course, one of the biggest parts of my negotiation was, this motherfucker has to be fired, and that motherfucker <laughs> needs to be fired, and I'm not coming in the building if these fuckers are in there. Yeah, by know? Larry Patrick. Yeah. Sorry. And, and by whatever his puppet's name was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they brought in the Jews. Text, text. Yeah, text. They, then they brought in the Jews. Once they brought in the Hebrew brothers, I said, we're going to be rolling now. We're going to yeah, be... There you go. And, it, 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 and things were going really good from about 2012, post-recession, from about 2012 till about 
a year and a half before the Chargers started to move because everything in town became about the Chargers, the stadium, politics, and all this other shit. And then because, you know, I became the cheerleader of the they're never going to move movement, you know, um, and I never thought they would. I still to this day never thought. I was with you, though. Like, I thought it was all just PR manipulation. And, man, when that I'll never forget watching ESPN that day when they made it official and then change and I was like oh no there's still a chance and then they changed their Facebook page yeah. and I'm just like wow yeah then it set in it was and, and, like, and, it, and shit. It, it destroyed this town from a sports standpoint yeah it absolutely destroyed. and I knew this Pratty. I said it'll take two to three years everything will shake out and watch how the sports media changes in San Diego you see a guy like Kevin Acey go from columnist now he's the daily beat reporter for the Padres. He says it wasn't a demotion and it was his choice, and maybe it was, but I'm just saying things shake out. I don't Jim, think anyone could predict like the impact of the Chargers moving yeah. over time, and that was, I mean, it's a big thing that happened. And now it's huge. We're seeing the, the repercussions. Right, and, and the Chargers are as well, and the Chargers are feeling the pain of being irrelevant in Los Angeles. They, they really are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. Absolutely. So, so here's what happens, though, and, and this is why I wanted to get on to the next part, because I think anybody who's listening to this podcast generally comes here because they're a radio listener first and foremost. Although, for some reason, even though we've been putting, you know, we had over a million downloads of our of our show podcast. Wow, that's last awesome. Year. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. But for some reason, all my friends around the country never, ever, ever listened to the Scott and BR show radio podcast. But now that I put out that I've got a solo podcast and I've got this super gay, like overly bold yeah, picture. picture. Uh, man, I, I didn't know what you're doing there. Well, what I'm doing is I'm saying, <laughs> dude, this is I'm branching out. Right. I am doing something completely unique and different. And, and I like it because here's the thing. I people ask me, you must love sports. I love stories. I love bullshitting. I love making people laugh. I like having fun. I like stirring shit, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I don't I'm not the world's craziest sports fan. So I've always been interested in other stuff, always been tinkering with other stuff, um, have always felt like I had um, some skills that were going underutilized. And thankfully, through a lot of motivation from friends, um, was finally convinced to do some things that I needed to do in my life. Take some risk, um, find a new business, um, build it, right. and, and do all these things. And that's when I came to a guy like yourself who I wanted to invest in my company, not because I needed your money, although it was helpful, but it was more because I believe in the future you will help our company because of what you already do. And that's the transition I want to make. I, I love it. Um, I, have you talked publicly about the product and what you're doing on the radio show yet, or is it still kind of, you know, uh, uh, silence? So I haven't speak. talked about it on the radio show yet. Um, but Which I, is a good thing. I think yeah. considering the product. Yeah, you, you it's not should, ready yet. Yeah, yeah, right. But, but, <laughs> but, but we are in a beta test with several listeners. We've got about 20 listeners cool. currently that are using the product, and all they're trying to do is break it, mess with it, and then once they find things that are wrong with it, they contact our, um, our customer relations guy, and then he works with our product development guy to fix these things. Awesome. And so it's really going great. And in fact, it's even going better than great. I mean, I, I must admit that um, even though today I'm still an unpaid CEO of a company, that's fine, <laughs> and I'm still busting my ass, and I spend you know hours and hours each day working on this, um, I believe that we have built or are in the process of building a product that will help radio stations significantly going forward. I agree. That's why I invested. I think it's uh, got huge legs. I can't wait to see when it's done and, and finally completed. You know, the, the bottom line is this, and people are saying, well, what are you talking about exactly? We as radio personalities and radio stations constantly pump content to Twitter, Facebook, etc. Nobody other than Facebook and Twitter monetizes that. And we have lost revenue streams as radio stations to Google and Facebook in particular. So now, wouldn't a radio station like to be able to say to an advertiser, you can not only advertise on air, but in a social space as well. And if our ratings suck, like Jim Rome's got a 0.0, .0 yes, maybe the radio ratings suck, and I can give you an entire education on how radio ratings work, but let me show you what engagement metrics look like over here, and that's really a measurement we should be using when it comes to your advertising Very dollars. Very powerful. Absolutely. So how did you... Because, again, I say to these young guys at the radio station, look at Pratty, look at Carlos, look at the success they've had in business as entrepreneurs. How do you feel like you got to be an entrepreneur? You were 16 years old. You come to work for a radio station. You, you 
your mother, I remember, wanted you to go to college and become a doctor. Yes. You dropped out <laughs> of junior college. Dropped out because I was just very busy with the radio show. Um, but to answer your question, I think I came to a point where I realized that I had hit my peak in radio already, and I wasn't even 21, I think. And, it, I, you know, it was a lot of back and forth with the radio station um, asking for raises and, and financially trying to be happy while living in San Diego that I realized that it just wasn't going to happen. The radio business was declining, and, um, you know, there was less and less money for production, and it had to go to the radio stars to make them happy, right? And so there was it was always going to be easy to find another producer with my skill set, maybe not my exact skill set, but something like it that would cut the cost of the radio station and improve their bottom line. I just realized that from a very high level. So I um, got together with a friend and we, we started a business and, and started doing internet marketing. And uh, I remember coming to you one day, I was like, I had been asking, I think Mike Shepard for raises, and they just didn't have the money. And I was, it, it was transitioned through three different program directors in two years each of them kind of promising me something financially that never happened. And at that point, I was so fed up because I was working so damn hard. Right, and they were taking advantage of you being young. Right. I mean, that's it was so obvious, yeah. right? And, and um, them as adults thinking that, like, I didn't need that money, mm -hmm. even though, you know, that's... In my opinion, where I wanted to, dude, you be sacrificed right? your you sacrificed your education to work at ten ninety, right? And wasn't getting paid mm -hmm. nearly enough. So once I realized that I was kind of getting used and abused, for lack of a better term, um, not necessarily used and abused. I mean, it, there was a lot of positives in my life and a lot of fun I had. But I started just working on other shit and and luckily figured it out. Um, I remember we were still in the mornings at that time waking up at 3.30, in the office at 4, uh, prepping for the show, on the air. Then we had our post-show meetings, prep for the next day, meetings with Carlos throughout the day. But at about 11 or noon, I was in my other business world. I would just check out from radio, other than working on a few things, but just was 100% full steam on working on internet marketing and trying to figure out Facebook and Google and was in the office with my business partner till about 10, 11 o'clock at night, and then would just restart the next thing the next morning, 3.30 a.m. up, do the radio show, have to be entertaining all day long, and then, or all morning long, and then just start it over again and be in internet marketing in the afternoon and evening. It was, it was intense. My how, body gave out. How long, I'm sure, I'm sure it did. How, how long into this new business did it take for you to start seeing money to the point where you said, this radio thing is done. It is not going to be my primary source of income. Right. What I'm doing over here with internet marketing, this is my future. This is where the money's at, and i got to start dedicating all my time to it. Man, I don't, I don't know if I even should say, ah, fuck it, let's say it. I don't even know if I've told you this, but we had the business successful to a point where um, I didn't need radio. Uh probably around the time that we came back from Indianapolis and got fired, actually. and Why'd you stay on then? Why'd you stay on with, with Dave and Jeff and, and <laughs> well, Carlos? Well, at the time, I, I could have left, but it was, it incentivized, well, it was good to have kind of me on the inside and, and throughout the case. Oh, <laughs> you are our, you are I, our I eyes was, and ears. I was kind of eyes and ears, which, listen, I, it wasn't in a... Uh, mole fashion, right? But, Brian, I wish I was smart enough to say, hey, Pratty, I know you don't need to stay there, but sacrifice the next 12 months of your life just to be right. a mole for me. I right. wish I would have I mean, thought of that. We, we had discussions on the back yeah, end, but, but it wasn't like um, I was maliciously doing a terrible job for Dave and Jeff mm -hmm. and like sabotaging their show to like kill ratings or something like that. Like I, I love and respect Dave and Jeff, actually, and, and Carlos and I had a good time um, working with them. But, you know, at that time... I was literally working the board for their radio show while simultaneously media buying on Facebook and working my other job. Whereas before when, you know, we were on the air, I was more engaged in the radio show and doing Internet stuff afterwards. So um, I, it was around that time when I realized that I, I didn't need radio anymore and this was going to 
be my my new future. Um, what kind of money, just real quick? What kind of money do you think you were making at 1090 at this time in 2012? Ooh, we man. get fired. You're you're working, producing, still the morning show. You're you and Carlos are really trying to hold things down. Yeah. Um, what do you think you were making? You you said you, they offered you fourteen thousand, yeah, which was 14, probably I negotiated that up a little bit. Yeah. Thankfully, once like right. You know, so what do you think you were making? I think I was probably like the 40, 45 range. Oh, you were making that much money? I think around there after okay. you know we'd get some bonuses when we'd hit ratings and stuff and. It was probably around there. I would say contract and maybe thirty five. Okay, so let's just let's just go with let's just call it forty grand for right now. Which I don't know if we might want to edit that out. Just considering uh, who's getting paid what now. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, (laughs) hey, tough shit, man. This is the way. This is the way it was, and this is the way it is. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. (laughs) How was that for for prophecy? This is the way it was. This is the way it is, and this is the way it goes. (laughs) So okay. At what oh, point are you making more money in your internet marketing company than you were making in radio? Oh, man. Was I would it six say months? Was it a year? Man, like was it two years? Couple, I'd say about six months in of working really hard, and we finally figured some stuff out mm-hmm. that was... Um, we figured out Facebook and how it works and how advertising works online, and once you get that like first profitable campaign where we were putting money into it and investing in the business and not really getting anything out, if we had any profit, then... We were reinvesting in research and development and trying to figure out other campaigns. And to maybe I should say, like, what we were doing at that time was Facebook and Google ads for companies and making companies more profitable with their Facebook advertising campaigns. Just, just for, for the sake of, of everybody listening so that they really grasp this, and my own sake, just take, <laughs> just take me from beginning to end so that we have a practical understanding of what it is you're talking about. So we do performance-based advertising for e-commerce based businesses online uh, the easy way to say it is just facebook and google advertising for companies but it's a little more technical in that it's performance based and a company that would use our services is not um, risk based so like they set a price to a performance based metric that we go out and optimize to is this getting a little no, too no, technical? No, no, I got it. I, well, I'm getting yeah, it all. I'm, right. I'm understanding everything. It's a little complicated, but it's it's well, just, What I'm saying is, give me a, a name of a company, right? And how you how you work for them, and how you how your company makes money, how you've been so successful, so well, that this way we all understand it. Right. Well, we we work with a lot of various e-commerce based merchants in a lot of different industries, but initially we would take a company like Groupon, for instance, and we would drive them customers, sales, and leads through Facebook advertising. And we would do so on a high volume basis. So why wouldn't they be able to do that on their own? Why do they need you? They do, but they know or they knew at that time that they were onto something big, right? And companies this is just one specific example, but by the way, everything you're talking about is why radio is in the position that it's in. Oh, of course. Yes. (laughs) Well but to answer your question, um, Groupon, you know, knew that they could monetize a specific email address. Uh, long term because they could get people to sign up and buy things through email so a company like ourselves would just deliver email address leads to Groupon for say five dollars a lead so where do those come from we would then go out on Facebook and Google and drive leads to companies on Groupon they would pay us five dollars an email that we drive them but we're paying on a per click basis but where where are the emails coming from well we're driving a user from Facebook to Groupon's landing page, they enter in an email address. Oh, that's a lead. Okay, so got it, got it, got yeah, it. Right. So that's just one specific example of a company we we would work with. Um, but it can that model of paying for a performance based um, action. It's called a CPA. That can be duplicated across any industry. So we do that across various e commerce based businesses. So you've you've gone from uh, being a kid in radio to seeing the future and knowing it wasn't in radio, right. to getting into this internet marketing business. Right. And I remember when you and your, your partner were literally running this operation out of a really dope-ass apartment in right. Little Italy. Yeah. And I walked in, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you see this computer, and you see that computer? Yeah, we're running this business off these computers. Yep. I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> and then you guys picked up, and you moved your shit to South Florida. Yeah, I'll never forget. We, uh, I was out of radio at that time, and, and we were growing, and we needed to hire people. And um, business was going great. Um, we woke up one Sunday morning and uh, read the newspaper that California was raising state taxes to 13.5% or whatever it was. And we said, man, like, 
if we continue this growth pattern, we're going to want to move, right? Not going to want to pay the taxes. Right. We're going to work. I mean, you can work anywhere with a computer, right? Mm -hmm. So why work in a state if you don't have a family that is keeping you here? Why work in a state that is just taking 13.5% on top of everything every year? And at that time, we wanted to hire people. So we knew if, like, if we hired people here, then we would have to uproot their lives probably in the next couple years if we wanted to move at that point. So um, I told my business partner, Jonathan, that, you know, I'll go spend six months in Colorado or Texas and you can finish school. His family was very like about him finishing school. He was at USD at the time, as I recall. Right. USD. And I was, um, you know, done with radio. I was kind of already done with school. I knew this was going to be my future and that it was worth taking the risk and not going back to school. And I was just ready to like go spend six months in another state. And we'd take that 13 and a half percent and just put it back in the business and hire people. And, uh, he was like, I don't know, like, well, you know, we maybe leave it one more year here. And then about 20 minutes later, he dropped all of his classes and we're like, we're out of here. We're picked up the business and, and moved to Florida. How long are you guys in Florida? We were in Florida for five years, yeah. so we've we've been growing and uh, have an operation there, and it's been it's been going well. And then just most recently, uh, I moved the company to Puerto Rico. That was this last month. Well, as I understand it, though, in in part of the progression of this story, is that and by the way, this doesn't have to be the only time you come on the podcast. So so let's just because I really wanted to reintroduce because I know a lot of listeners find it interesting to hear what you've been doing. I want to bring Carlos on, too, because when no, people we hear... we should what, do a joint dude, with Carlos. Dude, when, when awesome. you hear what Carlos is up to, you guys will be it's blown away. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Carlos is much more interesting guy. I don't know, man. He, <laughs> he is an interesting guy, though. I'll tell you what, I love that kid. Is much more cooler than mine. So listen, so so you decide to move the company to Puerto Rico, but, but explain why, because as I understand it, I mean, you and I talk about this stuff kind of just... Uh, but but I don't get to dig into it quite right, like this. Right. So so you bought Jono out of the company. Jonathan, your your partner. Right, right. So uh, Jonathan's had some health issues most recently, and then came to me and said last year that he wanted to make an exit, and um, said you know we're, we're best friends, like you know I'll figure it out, we'll, we'll get it done. Did you guys um, contemplate selling the company? We did multiple times. Yeah, there's a lot of different offers out there. That was like the last year of my life. What like, was the what was the highest offer? I mean, come on, seriously, tell people. No, it's well. Here's what, I, and I'll ask you like this. Let me start with this. What's your biggest financial disaster in business over the last however many years? Oof. Biggest just blow up financial giant mess. You think you're screwed? I have one that that was probably like the biggest financial disaster. We had a company in Europe we were driving sales to, and had scaled sales in one week, and the guy disappeared and we had about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in outstanding invoice the guy just disappeared said screw you guys I'm you lost here. the 350 lost 350 and um he ended up being such a scumbag that he <coughs> went and worked with other companies like ourselves and, and screwed other people over and that was his that was his thing mm-hmm. he would just like get people to drive sales to him and then he just disappear and so <coughs> i was so pissed off that he was doing that and we had no legal repercussions against him because no he's international. Zero. Yeah. He was doing it and I saw that he was live with other companies. And so I bought 10 bitcoins, went onto like a silk road kind of site where you can like find hackers. And I wanted to find a hacker that went in and took his sites down and put 10 bitcoins in. How much were bitcoins? Bitcoins are like 300 bucks at that time or whatever. Jesus. It was. And what year is this? The, man, two years ago, three like, years ago. This gotta be like more like four or five, something like that. I, How I did don't you know wait? Hold on, time out. How did you find out about Bitcoin back then? Um, I I was in Bitcoin pretty pretty heavy. Um, but how early? It was pretty early, but I couldn't. You're not giving me what I want right I now. I know I know what you want, Scott. I'm not <laughs> giving it to you because I know people are gonna listen to this, and I'm just not like a money nobody guy, listens you know? to this. But uh, <laughs> but the the. The disaster was is I lost the 10 Bitcoins. The site that I went on ended up being a scam. And now those 10 Bitcoins are worth... Well, today Bitcoin is probably worth uh, well, 10, At one point, they were worth 200 grand. So this guy right. not only took me for 350 grand, but then caused me to lose lose 10 bitcoins and that was well, kind of a life lesson kind of thing like you don't I, need I, to stir the pot even more either. i'm just looking yeah i guess so. karma will get these guys eventually yeah i'm just looking by the way on an on uh on coinbase bitcoin is is ten thousand six hundred and seven dollars 38 cents up four hundred dollars this morning okay. so 
by the way, just on a real quick note, give me 30 seconds. You're, you're, you're young. Um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all this other shit is all a young man's world. Anybody I've ever mentioned it to who's my age or older has no clue what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Give me 30 seconds on a young person's perspective on Bitcoin slash the future of cryptocurrency. Um, it's going to be very volatile and it's going to go through a lot of waves, but it is the future. Like decentralized technology and blockchain technology is the future, whether people like it or not, it's going to be the future. People ask But me, it's going to be a very volatile growth into it. And even now, my opinion is like all these cryptocurrencies are very overvalued. Like mm-hmm. their market caps are just ridiculous, but it doesn't mean that you can't make money off the market. So... Uh, well, yeah, because everybody asks me, you know, hey, you, you, I, you, you know a little about blockchain. I, I say I know a little. I mean, I've spent months trying to learn, you know, um, and, and it's only because the company that, that you are an investor in with me mm-hmm. is really, it's a smart play. I mean, if, if everything you learn about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, if everything you learn is accurate, if you will, and this is obviously becoming a new industry and it's becoming highly regulated and so on, um, everything we're doing on our platform is, is, is it kind of fits neatly with blockchain and with and because we need to raise a lot more money, not half a million bucks, we need to raise 10, 20, 30 million dollars right. to really hire the types of engineers to really have sales and marketing offices, et cetera. Um, these 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 coin offerings seem to be a really neat instrument. To, when I say neat, I mean if we fit neatly into that space. Absolutely. I agree. It's uh, a great investment and in raising money vehicle for new companies out there. And you guys have specifically a great story that will be. Uh, latched onto by a lot of these ICO investors. I think it's a great idea. I can't um, amazingly, wait. by the way, so many of the people who invested in, in this company, like yourself, um, some of whom are like, this is the craziest idea I've ever heard and I don't understand it and I think it sounds kind of scammy. And then others are like, no, talk to this guy and talk to this guy and talk to this guy. And within my investment ecosystem, I've already found experts and um, people really spending 24 hours a day on crypto, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really excited about the future of that. I asked you about the biggest financial disaster. You have 350 lost. You lose all these bitcoins. Right. Okay. <laughs> and that's why I asked you about, you know, the successes because because anybody could hear you say, hey, look, my company, I could have sold it for 10 million. I'm making up a number. You're smiling. <laughs> maybe that's high. Maybe that's low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. Well, but, I'm still operating the business. So, But, but the point is, is that, is that it, it's a comparison. It's, it's not... He's just, everything's been a home run. There, there's been a lot of ups and downs along the way. Lots of ups and downs, but, um, you know, it's cliche, but a lot of people, business, will say that they learn from all their failures, and that couldn't be more true. That specific uh, incident has probably ca- made us more money net, uh, even though it pains me to, like, even talk about that guy who is still out there and took me for that money. It has shaped a lot of decisions that I make in day-to-day business to control our receivables in a particular manner or not do a lot of volume with a new relationship that it probably net saved us more money just the, by the way we operate our business now. It's, How's living in, in, in Puerto Rico? I, I almost want to say another country, but it's really more like, you know, you went from Florida to Puerto Rico. It's probably like going from Florida to Florida. Right. It's, um, you know, the main metropolitan areas where I am, it's it's pretty much back to normal. And as long as you have back a Back to normal from the hurricane. Back from Hurricane Marie, right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's, it's great, man. I, I love it. I mean, I eventually want to come back to San Diego, so it's just another stop. But um, is it safe? And I ask it like that because I'm watching Narcos right now <laughs> on Netflix. Have you seen Narcos? I, I I've dabbled. In okay, so I'm like petrified to go into like any Latin American country all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, it's not bad. I mean, and I just came from Mexico City, which I love. Right. I think um, you know, Americans have a lot of misconceptions, especially about Puerto Rico. A lot of not, people don't know the history of why it's a territory why everyone there's a citizen it's a fascinating story and uh um, give me 30 seconds on it well i'm not a historian i so don't I expect you to but, be a puerto rican historian the, the, <laughs> <laughs> there are it was a very strategic military spot in world war one and world war two and a lot of puerto ricans were actually uh going to fight for america in the vietnam war as well a lot of puerto ricans died there sometimes were the first boots on the ground and so all these families were distraught and one of the presidents, I'm, I'm not sure exactly 
who but made all Puerto Ricans U.S. citizens because they had given so much for the country, more so than the average American citizen. I would never have so, known that. Yeah, right. And so when you read the news and everyone gets all hellbent on that we're providing um, you know, financial Relief. aid yeah. down there, it's yeah. like, well, they're – they're Americans. Yeah. All right. in there. And, uh, you know, they speak Spanish first, but most of them are American educated and speak English down there. And it's uh, it's great. I mean, you wouldn't expect it, but like there is Home Depot. There is Walmart. There's Olive Garden. You know, I'm there's you, all like, these. It, it's it is be, America. There's right. UP, USPS driving around mm-hmm. FedEx. Like, yeah. It is every bit American as Florida or San Diego. And why are you there? Because somebody's going to say, well, why'd you move from Florida to Puerto Rico? If you move from California to Florida and Florida to Puerto Rico, if you move from California to Florida for taxes, then maybe you move from Florida to Puerto Rico for yeah, that's that, that's purposes. the that's the reasoning. I mean, uh, there are substantial tax benefits for businesses moving there now, uh, considering their financial situation, um, which is arguable that you know what what caused it. But um, about I think four or five years ago, they started this program where businesses can move their operations down there and receive four percent tax treatment, and if their owners live there. It's zero percent tax treatment for so. So you're bagging. for guys like me. Yeah. it's it's four percent net. Let me ask you a question. You, I, and and you've never told me this. I've never asked you this, and I won't ask you this on on here, uh, <laughs> because I know you won't answer it. Because because you're right. Because people are going to listen, and and you know it might come off sounding the wrong way. So, but I'm going to ask you this. Clearly, you've made a lot of money, and when I say a lot of money, John, I don't know if we're talking about a million, ten million, twenty million, a hundred million. I don't know. I don't know the numbers, but you've made a lot of money. Certainly a lot more than you ever thought when you were 16 years old and you were working in radio. True. Outside of maybe a nice car or a nice house or a nice watch that you're wearing, nice pair of shoes, outside of shit like that, what are you doing with your money that's bigger than you, that's that's important? And I mean, and listen, I'll, I don't know if it's buying your mom a house or if it's making a charitable donation somewhere. I mean, what, what else is your money good for besides just buying shit? Um... I think it's more like long-term plans. Like right now, I'm so consumed with like day-to-day business that you know I I don't have time to get in a lot of stuff. But it's really giving back that gets me going. Um, you know, coming back here, investing in new businesses, charities, um, helping friends out in their business ventures, and uh, you know, just just being. Um, how about moms? That's what I'm asking. Mom, your mother's a great lady. Yeah, absolutely. she took really Helping good care of you. Um, How about she you? she raised me, so yeah. you know, like I owe everything to her. She went into debt and bankruptcy, raising me in Ranch Bernardo, and I owe her everything for that. You know, so uh, giving back to my family and uh, other friends that have helped me through everything that that's that's really my goal long term. One of my funniest things. I'll, I'll end it with this. I remember this was so funny. <laughs> so weird at the same time i remember us being in the office one day and you showing us the video of your dad who was like my age <laughs> who was a mixed martial arts fighter right. on like some minor league tour in mexico yeah and and he got smoked one night yeah my dad was the oldest uh licensed fighter in california at one time yeah um and uh yeah, he, he's an animal. <laughs> he's a beast. <laughs> he he's a total man. beast, man, your dad. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good dude, but he is an animal. You well, know? What's he up to, man? Because I know he was like an engineer or a chemical yeah, he's, he's, um, PhD he's, he's guy. He's a scientist yeah, and like um, you know, formulating various things for, for different companies, but um, he's good. He's not fighting anymore. <laughs> 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 I, think, I always told him after that one knockout where his eyes rolled in the back of the head, I was like, Dad, that was tough to watch, man. like watching your dad get knocked the fuck out is not is not fun man like it's it it hits you on like a very weird level like you don't even understand like i'm assuming like you know if you watch your son get now it's just like a weird thing you know yeah it's watching your dad like just man that was tough you know (laughs) (laughs) by some mexican uh fighter in a tj cock ring by the way Right. Be, he didn't get knocked out in, at the MGM right, Grand, right? You know, in the middle of UFC He's 150, not, right? No, this know? is a cock r- fighting ring in Tijuana by some 23 year old Tijuana guy. <laughs> and it was uh, those fights were great, though. I mean, it was uh, Americans versus uh, Mexicans, and they would host them in Tijuana, and 
my dad would be thrown on the card against these guys. And I mean, talk about home field advantage. I mean, everyone in there is just going nuts for the Mexican teams. And then these U.S. fighters come in and just get thrashed, you know. Did your dad ever kick ass? Besides- yeah, he, he, won, he won some fights. I think his pro record was uh, three and four, something like that. Um, and, you know, the last couple were like, all right, man. You need to, Maybe it's yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> thing is, these guys come in, you know, just. Well, they're young ripped, and they're and ripped. He's, you know, 42. He, very experienced wrestler you know growing up and uh like talented but you know at the end of the day it's like it's science you know these guys are younger and more powerful and um when your head hits the canvas it doesn't feel good (laughs) (laughs) all right so my plan is and i always like to do this when you have friends that have killer places in really cool spots you got to go visit dude i can't wait to come down to oh you got to come and uh any great friends that end up you know stopping in puerto rico or you know a lot of uh uh, what's it called? Cruises stop by there mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico, but uh, would love to meet up with anyone out there. Love, love, uh, love all the great friends. Who, how do people follow you? Whether it's on you Instagram see, uh, or you know, Twitter, are like you a, are I'm you not, not out just, there? Are you not exposed? I'm not, I'm not exposed. Like, I, are I you not know. on Twitter anymore? I'm not. I mean, God, I, I would I, love I, like, to not have be on a Twitter account, but I don't. You know, like the thing is, I uh, I don't know what it was, but being in radio and not that I was some you know face, right or if I was, uh, you know, well known because of the radio show, but it just wasn't my thing, you know, like I just don't like being out there and, uh, and, uh, you know, being, but I have a Facebook, you know, people send me messages. I'm sure they can find me, but, um, I don't know. It's just, I like staying underground and low key. This is out of my comfort zone. I'll be honest with you. I don't really like, uh, doing interviews or anything but i had a good time do fun. people do people ask you for interviews and stuff about your business and yeah like and, you know you get approached but it's not do um, you lay low because i just lay you, low just i mean it's just not my i don't enjoy it like for some reason i just am not well because you probably you had this to. exposure as a young kid right like okay so i lived a life where you know you go to an event and there's a few hundred people there and everybody knows you and wants to shake your hand right. take pictures with you and that's flattering when right. you're when you're living it but you've already lived it. Right, exactly. That's spot on. Like, we're, you know, with because the radio show back in the day, we, it wasn't like we were stars or anything, but you got that, like, public thing. I, I got the taste of what it's like, and it wasn't me. So, like, in my business world, I'll do what I need to, um, you know, to advance the, the business, but it's not, like, necessary in my field. I don't need to be out there and be a public face like, um, you know, a lot of these other CEOs out there. It's not required, so... I don't know. It's just, just me, I guess. I don't know. Not, not my thing. Well, I'm glad you do this today. Oh, I, I appreciate. It. I, uh, you know, I love it. I, I really got a kick hearing the stories with Sid on this podcast, and I listen all the time. So, I'm, uh, thanks for the invite, man. <laughs> well, I always try and make it about an hour. We're there. I hope uh, we didn't bore anyone. No, I, I think people, because we've been in so many different places, and I think one of the the best pieces of feedback that I'm getting about this podcast is what people seem to be enjoying um, is is the, um, you know, you don't have to deal with commercials, you don't have to deal with language right. barriers um, or, or things you can and can't say. Um, you can go in a million different directions. And, um, and I'm so much more interested, very frankly, in business and people's success and how they got to where they're at and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm it's so much more interested. Listen, that's the way I feel about sports too. Right, like right. If, you, if you put um, uh, Trevor Hoffman sitting here on this couch, he was on the radio show the other day, I'd want to talk to Trevor Hoffman more about how he got to his his success rather than his curveball or his changeup <laughs> or 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 his workouts. You know, I I was I'm always more concerned or or I'm always more interested in the development of how did somebody get to where they are. It's great you stories, know? man. I can't wait to keep listening to the podcasts. I, I love them. Will you listen to this one? Uh probably not. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Freddie, thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. I had a good time. <laughs>